Hello and welcome to the Summer Camp Stories podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Soundjoinson, and over the past 20 years, I've been a camp counselor, program specialist, group leader, CIT director, and camp director. So join me as I reconnect with old camp friends and learn about their journey and hear their summer camp stories. Eric Oppenheimer and Kevin Zipkin to the podcast. Oppie and Zippy, please report to the podcast. Hey there, hey. what's going on? There they both are. Two noisy neighbors from my first summer at camp in 2001. It's good to have both of you here. Nice to see you, Steve. Thanks for having us. And yeah. as a, a couple, if you will. That's right. I mean, that's a good way to do it, right? Get the tag team back together. Because we were just discussing earlier, this is the first time in maybe 12, 13 years you guys have really had a more than a five-minute conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we uh, we kind of fell off after uh, during college, and it's great to reconnect. So yeah, yeah it is. for bringing us together. I appreciate it. This yeah. is, uh, it's already been fun. Yeah. That's Let's get into the real stuff then. So tell us who you both are, where you are, what you do now, and when it was you went to camp. And Zippy, do you want to start us off? Sure. Kevin Zipkin. Uh, everyone knew me as Zippy. I'm sure probably people don't even know Kevin or Zipkin were my first or last name. <laughs> kind of just stuck. I'm currently living in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm an attorney. Nice. And when did you go to camp? What were your years out there? 2000 to 2007. So a good portion of my young life. Yeah. And Oppie, how about you? And a lot of my parents' money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Eric Oppenheimer, uh, also known as Oppie. I was a camper at Neshoppa from 2000 to 2009, camper and counselor and uh, head waiter, actually, in 2009. And then uh, transferred over. Yeah, I transferred over to Lakota in 2010 and 2011. So, a total of 12 years. Mm -hmm. I live uh, in, in New York in Westchester County, and I work as an administrative assistant for a consulting firm. Nice. Two grown ups. This is incredible. I know that there's a lot of former counselors of yours that are listening right now and are excited to hear what you guys are up to. So they are definitely grown ups. I've seen, I think I've seen Zippy with a full beard before on some photos, but I, he's clean shaven today. A, about yeah. a year ago, I had a full beard. Well, I'll show you a picture. It's, it's <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. Now I'm clean shaven for work. Gotta be taken seriously as an attorney, right? Still doesn't work. No one takes <laughs> it's kind of stuck with me since camp. Yeah. yeah. You guys went to camp as kids. So I don't know if that's just how you heard about it is that you went or is there another way you heard about it? And then Oppie for you, kind of the second part of that question, what made you decide that's where you wanted to work? Yeah. So I'll start with this one. I actually heard about Neshoba as a camp from my father uh, mm-hmm. and my aunt who had both gone to Neshoba when they were when they were kids. So I'm a second generation Neshopian. And for me, I went my first year, I was 10 years old and my parents were like, you can go for four weeks. Mm-hmm. And if you like it, you can extend. And I said, okay, great. I called them after like two or three weeks. I'm like, guys, I'm not coming home. Yep. I'll see you. I'll see you at the end of the summer. And they were like, okay, great. They paid for the rest of it. And sort of the rest is history with that. Um, it, it was never a second thought to leave a place that I just, I love so much. You know, yeah. we were very lucky that we had great counselors and great friends and we had such deep relationships with people. And for me, it was something that I never wanted to leave. And obviously for 12 years of my life, I didn't, I, I not only was a camper and, you know, CIT and a counselor and, and the head waiter, of course, in 09, but I went to Lakota and also then I'll say I was a group leader, but really I had one bunk of like 10 kids. So my friends will tell me that I was the bunk leader, not the group leader, but <laughs> still, that was, you know, uh, it was just something that it's hard to get out of your system. I think once you, once you put in 
once you start putting the years in? Yeah. It's a loaded question. Uh, Cause I could talk about camp for like a year. So I, let's see. So 2000, I was my first summer. So born in 90. So I was 10 when I started. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear about it just from like, I don't know, I guess being a kid, kid from my hometown had gone there. I think the summer before and his parents were like, Oh, you know, I think it's a good idea. If maybe Kevin and like his brother go. So my parents were like, you want to go? And I was like, Sure. Like, what else am I doing at home? Yeah. So I went. Uh, same as Oppie. I think I signed up for like four weeks. My parents were like unsure of whether I'd stay. And I think I did the same thing. Like called them after just a couple weeks. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm staying. And my brother did the opposite. He stayed one summer in 07 for two weeks when we were signed up for four weeks. Then he went home. Yeah. I think that was the same phone call. He was like, mom and dad, come pick me up. And I was like, mom and dad, don't, don't speak to you later. <laughs> You know, not talking to you ever again for the rest of the summer, having too much fun. And then it just, I don't know, it wasn't really an option after that until Mm -hmm. I stopped in 07. It was kind of just like, that's what you're doing. Like that, that's your summer. Like, what else are you going to do? It's more fun, like hanging out with more people, like living with your boys. Like it was just, yeah. Yeah. I don't don't even know what I was. I was waiter. Was I CIT? I don't know. You must've been because I was the CIT director in six with my boys. So you should have been in five. Yeah. So I guess then I was a CIT waiter, maybe a junior counselor and then stopped in 07. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, man, it's a blast. Yeah. So tell me then, I mean, I know one of the answers to the question because you're both staring at each other right now but who was one of the first people you remember meeting at camp and who were some of the first friends you made out there yeah it's definitely a loaded question kevin was kevin <laughs> was the guy that i met first and and he was the person that i was always sort of stuck at the hip with right like we, we went everywhere <laughs> together we made a lot of trouble for a lot of people and and really had a great time uh, at camp together other people you know our counselors really like we had just such good counselors including yeah. you steve and reno and, and rosie and, and- strong bonds with those counselors it wasn't just like hey that's a counselor like most of the people came back every summer same as us and like we kind of all grew for those next couple years together yeah and even even some of the girls right so back in the day it was still somewhat in touch with you know maggie titler and Mm -hmm. sam ellis and alexa linksman and then also like melissa cooper and uh britney diamond and all those all those girls it was just like we had such great and deep conversations and and everything with them that it just was like your own family. It was like a second family. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously first kid was Oppie for me. I think I remember like when you got dropped off uh, by your parents, like the first day or beginning of the summer, whether you take the bus, you know, whatever it may be that you use to get to camp for the beginning of summer, besides actually getting canteen tickets. I think your parents also used to put money in like a canteen that was held in like the office near little lawn. Yeah, that's right. And like the, the books were, you know, I think rigged to this day, but you know, it was handwritten by like a, an older lady that would be like, Oh, 20 bucks you took out. All right. 20 out of Kevin's and like, yeah. come on. It was all cash sitting in there. Yeah. Well, so that all was cash. I remember Oppie and I, like, we would go to the mall on those field trips and we'd all, we both take out like 80 or a hundred bucks. And like most kids had (laughs) 80 or a hundred bucks in for like the whole eight weeks. And like ours just kept getting reloaded. I remember we'd go to like Target and get pounds of candy, like just like (laughs) food. We'd go grocery shopping. Like we would just get anything. Pounds of candy explain a a lot of of the noise that would come from next door all the time. (laughs) All that energy. That and between canteens. So Flo and Ernie were were the canteen people. Yeah. You know, all the Elio's pizza that we ate and all that. Just a quick one. Also, my my grandmother was very good friends with Flo and Ernie back in the day. Mm. Um, I don't think they're still with us. Uh, my grandmother is, thankfully, but but they're not. But um, they grew up they grew up and lived in the same area in, in Riverdale in the Bronx. Yeah. Um, and so like I used to 
to have conversations with them just like because they were also almost family it was just such a it was a close place it really was people didn't you either really loved it there and you felt like family right away or you didn't make it yeah <laughs> you know i think I camp is very much like that in general you know it's definitely it's i mean and you know the support around you can help you make that deal like you definitely get out of it what you put into it but it's it's not for everybody i think it's almost like uh it's like fake in a sense if you think about it like you think about the summers that you spent there mm -hmm. and it seems like too good to be true like you didn't have any worries or at least i never had a care in the world when i was there yeah like i was what i was 10 to 10, 10 to 17 who like what 10 to 17 year olds already have that many worries to begin with but it was like an escape from like life for two months no one even you didn't talk to your old, old friends from home it was just the best it was like the friends that you don't see for 10 10 months or eight months you know what i mean yeah that was, was so also the time period like the last real decade where you could do that and even though like recently my camp experiences of being a camp director you're in the bubble but you have a device very close to you that's connected to everything else in the world cell phones were only really starting to exist during that time that we were at Neshopa together and even yeah. when they did exist it wasn't a Outlaw. computer in your in your pocket that you have now you know, it was yeah. just, you could call someone if you had reception in the middle of the baseball fields, you know, so, and we, you couldn't have them anyway. I remember taking them from people and putting Outlawed. them in plastic buckets and they lived in the office. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we wrote, when we were, you know, during, you know, rest time or whatever. I think we, we had phones. Them. Yeah. Well, toward, toward the middle time of when we were there, but like, I we think we like didn't get them taken away. Like we went, we're like, oh, you know, counselors, you guys can borrow it as long as you let us keep it. And they're like, deal. <laughs> I remember you've spoken about it on, on the old pod, uh, some of the old podcasts, but also like we used to go to the early on, like 2000, 2001, 2002, we used to have to go to the office to yeah. make phone calls. And that was it. It was a couple of pay phones, literal pay phones yeah. back then. And yep. you had to have money for the pay phones. It was old school. It yeah. was very different. And you really did feel connected. There was no outside distraction at all. You maybe made a phone call once or twice a week. And other than that, it was like the people around you are the people that, that you rely on. And yeah. that was it. Yeah. Completely. Tell, tell me a little bit about some of the some of the favorite counselors that you had during those times and what you remember about them. And then Oppie, you obviously went on to become a counselor as well. And Zippy, you were a JC as well, so you lived in with with a counselor or two. What do you remember about some of those folks? Counselors, there were a lot, uh, and I even remember counselors that weren't necessarily mine. But mm -hmm. you know, if it's B thirteen, B fourteen, you know, the counselors that were in thirteen when I was in fourteen, having like the year younger. I think not for any particular reason except for the fact that the thing that stands out most to me is like the Six Flags trips. Mm. And Reno was like our guy. And we always made sure that Oppie and I were in Reno's group. Cause like we knew we weren't gonna abide by the rules, you know, go on any roller coaster, do this, do that, just like have fun. So he obviously stands out. But then I think I looked back at some of the podcasts, like Paul Monteith, uh, yourself. I remember trying to think, Yael or Yair. He was a guy from Israel. There were a few guys from few. Israel, and one of them stood out to me because he was. He kind of had like a temper and I kind of like loved being around him because he would get mad at like nothing and I would just laugh about it. I'll be honest, if I had to name every person that like stood out to me, I would probably name the entire camp as far as counselors because I didn't just have bonds with like mine in my bunk. Like it, once you get on the line, every counselor there is pretty much yours because you could be messing around by the tennis court and like counselors from four bunks away are like, hey, go back to your people. <laughs> And I, I knew everybody. Like, I don't yeah. know. I loved everybody. I didn't have a qualm with a single counselor. Yeah. Everyone. I'll, I'll give you, we, in 09, before camp closed, in the waiter bunk, we, we actually 
produced a large we actually like i think tore a like a rail off of one of the bunk beds and actually wrote down all the people like an, an in sort of like an in memoriam of all the people that were at camp at some point and then left and i have a list of is gosh, this that I mean, rainbow that rainbow that's, thing that's right yeah okay. so Jillian, Jillian's upset she's not on that, by the way. <laughs> I, I, give you a, I give you a few names that, that have been mentioned, and I'll give you some that are pretty obscure, but Go for uh, it. hopefully, so I give you... I'm, I'm ready about, for the obscure. We've yeah. talked about Randy Shack before, Chris Robb, of course, Camille, who's like, Love him. to me, was, was like literal family. He actually hung out with our family a whole bunch uh, after camp and during camp sometimes. Yeah, He may um, still be the only guy wearing his hat like as crooked as could ever be and getting away with it. He, <laughs> he always pulled that off so well. Special guy. Uh, so we got Johnny Leather, Lewis Small, Mike Pinker. Yep. I'm waiting uh, for some like obscure. Mark, Mark Nicolarson, Ryan Curvy, mm -hmm. Dan Goldborn, Dan Codling, Dem, let's see, Dan Martell. Dan Martell, yeah. That's a good one. Obviously, Paul Monteith, Malcolm Christianberry. Yep. James B., who's been spoken about. Uh, we had Big Dave. <laughs> Crazy Joe, who's the O2 Pontiac plaque creator, which is my all-time favorite, which I own. Yep. Um, you have guys like Jamos and Spike and Elad Orenstein and Love. Barry Dusen, Richard Dawson, uh, Rich King. Love him. Uh, Johnny Allen. Looking at all these names, it's just like Phil so Norton. Many. Phil Norton. Right, so Phil Norton was just won an I, award. I, I saw. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's incredible. Let's see who else we got. Linda Andres. Kind of crazy. Tom, her brother Tom was there one year as well thinking right? think 2003 he was a group leader in 2003 tom yeah that's how yeah, linda then, figured knew about camp didn't know that and yeah. then you have like leah michelle of course tilly so johnny Bowie, and uh some others i mean just such a hard to leave people out because yeah. it's just such a yeah. long long list of people but uh it was really just such a special group of counselors for the whole time we were there yeah Who the nostalgia is real very real I know it's funny how much I mean like having something like that every time I've talked to someone they pull some kind of gem or memory out or say a name or remind me of an activity and it just all comes back like that summer I went or that sorry that fall that I went after I saw you in 2018 just standing in certain areas of camp brought a bunch of memories back that like conversations yeah. that I'd had with people or just like incidents or activities or all kinds of things that happened like I forgot completely forgot there was like a high ropes area until i walked up the hill past uncle jeff's snake house and the big climbing wall was there forgot that was there forgot it existed like at it, all oh yeah oppie correct me if i'm wrong was it not there like it wasn't there from the beginning when we started in 2000 correct ropes course yeah I can show you a picture from 2000 with it. The ropes course was, but the, the climbing wall wasn't. No, because I remember that being built. Came, the climb, yeah, the climbing wall came later, maybe 2004, 2005-ish. I think maybe, it was built maybe. in 2003 or five pre-camp. Because I remember, like at, when I saw it, I remember the process of it. But I don't remember any memories from being near it at all. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe I don't three. remember the ropes course because I don't. I, I probably never went. <laughs> I remember it like way later in years, uh, but not in the beginning. Yeah, we got a special guest. Is that whose special guest is that? That's mine. He's underneath my feet. Oh. <laughs> His name is Dugan. He's a nice. golden retriever. Say hi, Dugan. There you go. So who do you all still talk to from camp these days? And is there anyone, if there was one person you could pick that you would love to reconnect with, who would it be? I, full disclosure, don't really speak with anyone anymore from camp. After, you know, camp, moved on, like school, college, you know, 
this, that, the other moving around. And I think I'm like doing what I want. If I was going to meet one person from camp again and like rekindle, it would probably like start with up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's funny that we're, we're both happen to be on the same episode right now. Yeah. It's kind of like I would, I would dip my toes into reconnecting with people <laughs> through a hobby. And then I'd be like, oh, the waters are cool. And then yeah. like start reconnecting. So this was like a, this was perfect. Nice. Well, I'm glad that's how it worked out. That's the goal of this whole podcast. So I know that it's, it's doing it for a lot of people. How about you? Paul Reed. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, you know, I, um, and we spoke, it's been spoken about a few times now on the podcast, but I, I lived with Mike Perlowitz and uh, Dan Simone mm-hmm. for a few years and also lived uh, next to a guy named Chad Newman, who was at camp a couple of years. Okay. And we have a big group of people that we're all really still great friends. Yeah. Um, there's maybe a group of like 25 of us that have like an ongoing sort of string of text messages. We get together a couple times a year, at yeah. least, or at least um, people from both Neshoba and Lakota. But, you know, we have some pretty great people in that group watching people get married now and, mm-hmm. um, you know, have families. It's pretty amazing to see. For me, I mean, obviously, Kevin was somebody that I was hoping to reconnect with. So this is awesome. Yeah. Um, but like I mentioned before, like some of the girls that we grew up with would be great to reconnect with and then obviously some of the counselors like i've reconnected with reno recently nice and and i speak to norton once in a while of course but and joey carry yeah. but um nice would love to reconnect with like Steve Rose and you know people like that. It's just such a they they were they were life changing for us. They really taught us a lot of skills, a lot of ways to become more adult and all that kind of stuff. That was that was one of the benefits of camp. You learn things at camp that you otherwise mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to learn. It gives you really a leg up. Um, I'm always I've always been a big component of camp since, and definitely going to send my kids down the line when I have them. So nice. I feel like teaches you like basic social norms that like you see a lot of people today not having like i don't know it's because if you're disconnected from the world you just go in this bubble for you know eight weeks yeah and you learn to you know kind of turn it off and turn it on it just it, it, it blows my mind camp has taught me lessons into like my, my life now yeah that i didn't know were from camp well we're gonna get to that we're gonna get to that soon but let's and I'll specify yeah let's jump into some camp memories that you have then because it's been you know over 13 14 15 years for for you guys and i you know i always do a couple of memories of the folks i'm interviewing one that we won't discuss but if you were there in 2001 you know what i'm talking about but one a couple of things is i always remember because i had cappy in my bunk who loved hockey so you two and he would just dominate any hockey event that was happening you know when i was the color world general when i was um, in charge of navajo looking at the team sheets of who i had on my team you guys' names were the first ones i was looking for because i wanted to win those hockey events and then also oppie for you whenever the eagle has landed was called over the loudspeaker i knew within like two minutes you would come running back with an axe and you have one now right do you have one of the original axes still i do i have the gray axe that's perfect Um, yeah the first axe he ever got yeah there you go so yeah so um, they're two when i think of you guys they're some of the things that just come flooding right back this is so i have the camp brochure as well and this was us this is kevin and i in the yeah. in the in the brochure from back then playing hockey of course yep. so what else is there? i think i still wear the same shirt size yeah. <laughs> and there's cappy on the front there and as well cappy on the front and that's myself yeah this, this brochure is pretty cool actually I wasn't good looking enough to make to make the brochure. I was in the video. I was in the video once for the it was after 2001. So they filmed me at go karts and I'm on like I'm crouching down and there's a kid in the go kart and I'm just pointing at the pedals like faking it. This is go and this is stop. But it was the summer that I let 
think it was Leslie who's on the front of that cover as well, bleach my hair mm-hmm. and it went bright orange and my hair grows out like a microphone. So I just look like the sun. Like my head just looked like the sun and I'm talking to this kid and that's the one real documented piece of me at camp other than being in the videos and the DVDs at the end, you know, the yearbooks. But you guys are immortalized in that brochure, which is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but what are some of your favorite memories? Uh, gosh, it's there's so many, right? Like it's I can talk to you for four hours, five hours about the memories of camp. It yeah. was everything from, you know, the nighttime activities that we had, the evening activities to the off campus stuff is a lot of stuff's been talked about, of course, on the podcast some of your other guests but you know going to blueberry mountain going to going to the roller rink and going to even go bowling right like all those things were were off campus it was great just to get off campus sometimes yeah and have a little bit of time off but you know later on flashlight sing kangaroo court miss neshopa gosh that was a fun one we had such great evening activities at camp they they really went out of their way every year to make sure that we were just having great activities yeah um so those were those were all amazing memories. Even just Kevin, Kevin will remember, I think. But back in the day, I mean, we we even just met the girls out at night during like our free time after you know um, canteen after canteen or during canteen before before a curfew, and like we both had our first kisses at camp. Um, <laughs> so you know, it just was something that you can have a lot it. of first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is public record now, I think. So played the fifth. Um, I mean, I definitely agree with all of that. And I think I was waiting for Oppie's answer to be done and just praying to God that when it was done, he didn't say what I was going to say. And at the very end of his answer, he said exactly <laughs> what my answer was going to be. And I was like, God damn it. Yeah, it was like, you know, late night stuff uh, for me stands out the most. I think like in the very beginning, when we first started in like 2000, we used to call it like raids, like we would do a raid, you know, and we'd like toilet paper, a bunk, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe worse, maybe not. Uh, (laughs) But then like the raids over the years turned into like sneaking out late, hanging out with like some of our friends that were girls, not necessarily girlfriends, just like hanging out. Yeah. And those like late night memories type stuff like that definitely stands out the most. But you did bring up some serious nostalgia with like a roller rink. Like those things are non-existent these days. Like, yeah, they're far and few between. And we went to the same one with the dirtiest carpets and everybody had their role there. Like some kids would only hang out in the arcade. Some kids would only hang out by like the pizza stand. Like other kids would be roller skating the whole time. Yeah. And it was kind of like it was cool to do things with a group of people that you stayed with for eight weeks yeah Oppa, you mentioned some of those just kind of general activities that you have you know you have all like the daytime is filled right with activities yeah. and even electives where you, three times a day you can pick what you go and do that aren't part of the schedule and then you've Absolutely. got those trips the six flags the mountain creek and then you know those evening like blueberry mountain which i always remember the smell of sewage from because it was built oh, over yeah. a sewer pipe and you know, the roller rink and all that stuff. And then you have the college weekends, the color wars, the Ronda Gons, the double Dutch divas, all of that stuff. And I know yeah. you were both very involved in color war at one point. I have a picture somewhere actually here that I'll dig out and send to you, Zippy. And I might have already done, but of Zippy dressed as thing one or thing two with Maggie myself Taylor. and Maggie Taylor. Yeah. But like, and what are some of those and, events? Myself and uh, Melissa Cooper, we dressed up as Oompa Loompas that year. That's right. Oompa Loompas. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to think because I knew you were on opposite teams as the color war captains so like what are some of those just like memories of those like specific activities or was there a favorite activity that you had that we would do at any point in camp i thoroughly enjoyed go-karts and atvs i don't know if it was just because of the adrenaline that it gave you just from doing it 
in and of itself yeah. staying alive or the additional <laughs> adrenaline of knowing that number one you're doing an activity that's already dangerous yeah but then couple that with the fact that you know i don't think the go-karts and the atvs were the uh most top notch um so it's can, like a can confirm like, is, yeah. it, is the wheel gonna fall <laughs> off like who knows like i'm going on the trail now like this yeah. is crazy uh, i always loved hockey though that was like number one i used to go out there by myself with just my rollerblades and just shoot around and hang out. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like the uh, ATVs and the go-karts a lot. Nice. I, I actually spent a lot of time down at horseback riding, did a lot of overnight horseback riding stuff. Really? And uh, yeah, we did a lot of like trail riding and then we'd actually end up over in like the nature area That's right. and do camp outs there. We just like pitch tents up there and actually stay over. It was, that was fun. You um, persuaded me to do my first horseback overnight and I loved it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Wow. Um, I do remember those. Yeah. And I think for me, the other thing that really stands out, and I can't believe no one's ever said this on a podcast yet, but the lip syncs. There was one year we did, You're right. well, there, there are two that come to mind, right? So there's the one that uh, our bunk did when we did Bohemian Rhapsody and we, we crushed it. I mean, everything from the flashlights in front of people, it was, it was perfect. We spent, I think at least a day or two, the whole day, we just skipped all of our activities and we crushed it. I mean, at the end of it, it was like a standing, standing ovation type of deal. Um, and then the other Whoever one has a video of that needs to send it. Yes. Yeah, I hope somebody does. The other one that I just stands out in my head is when, when Steve, when you and I and a whole bunch of other people dressed up and did Moulin Rouge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. I, there's a there is a picture of that one somewhere hanging out on the Internet. Um, I have that. that. Was, I have that picture. Yeah, I have it, too. It's yeah. it's a good one. Was it Chris, Rob, Jamos, and James B? Was the five and of us? Dan, and Dan Simone. And Dan Simone, yeah. Wow. It was the six of us. It was a, wow. that was a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we crushed that. We crushed that too. We did. I think there's actually a video of that somewhere that's oh, no. about, I got to find it because yeah. it's it was hilarious. Oh, we went all in. We went all oh, yeah. in on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this kind of this kind of sparked my memory on an ev- like uh, you know events at camp or activities at camp that's like not necessarily were my favorite but really stand out to me. Um, I remember in the beginning when we started in 2000, we used to have like I wouldn't say high profile but very good athletes visit camp like baseball players from the Mets, yeah, yeah. maybe a basketball player here and there. I feel like it started out really strong and then. I feel like towards the end of camp, we would have these like introductions to like Mets players that may have been on like a farm team or, you know, just trying out for the Mets, but they had a Mets jersey and Jerry was just like a Mets go hard. Yeah. And he was like, this guy's going to be great. Like he's visiting our camp, you know, he's throwing a ball to, (laughs) oh, what's his name that used to throw the balls with everybody. Uh, He was the lifeguard. Eric Balch. Eric Balch. Yeah. Yeah. He used to be the one to throw the baseballs with all the professional Mets on the on the basketball court. Not that it was my favorite. It just it stands out to me vividly. Yeah. I remember getting a baseball signed by whoever was there in 2001 because I was like, oh, baseball is huge here. This this is going to be worth something at some yeah. point. Couldn't tell you who it was. Joe something. Yeah. That's all I know. I wish I knew who some of the players were that did visit. Yeah. Oh, I, I also love the alumni like counselors basketball games and stuff. Those stand out to me a lot too. Because they were actually like aggressive. Like that those were like violent games. Like the alumni did not want to lose. Right. No, they did not. 
Um, they never I, wanted to lose. Yeah. Even we, t- we talked about before on um, like Power Hour Soccer, of course, I yeah. destroyed that when I destroyed <laughs> Paul Edge's knee that one year. So sorry, Paul. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, those were just that and, and the overnight games, like the, the counselor games. When we when I first, when I became a counselor, spent a lot of time playing soccer, volleyball. You know, I was the only American on the team. So that worked out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> when we would go to like Chippenau and Iroquois Springs and That's Echo right. and all those folks. Yeah. Yeah, chipping yeah. on man that that field was beautiful and we used to have like a traveling party there were people that gave up their night off uh counselor gave up their night off to come and watch us and it was just it was a fun atmosphere it just shows you how much people and counselors and the campers loved each other there and cared for each other it just was it was yeah. pretty cool yeah, before we move on to the next question i have to say one more thing because you guys are just bringing it back yeah the intercamp games that you kind of like noted on mm-hmm. the hockey intercamp games with camp monroe the floor hockey there was like a Stanley Cup, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was oh, like yeah. the biggest hockey tournament of the year for summer camps. And I remember us winning it and bringing it back. And we got out of like the white van that they yeah. used to take you everywhere. And we had like this Stanley Cup looking trophy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think we got taken to like pizza the next day or something with yeah. like the, the head people because we won the Camp Monroe Stanley Cup. They had won. So Camp Monroe won it pretty much every year for like 20 years. Yeah. And we like, it was one year, it was me. Zippy Cappy and a few other people and we like Shannon Yaloff. Shannon Yaloff and we upset them and we won the tournament and it was like a big, big deal when we won that. It was they were it was like hostile leaving Cam Monroe. Like they were not happy that we had won the tournament. I feel like I've recently like in the past two, three weeks, seen a photo of the plaque where they inscribed the name of the winner on it. Because it was just Monroe, 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 and like two, three other camps. Yeah, it really was. They they were incredibly good at it. And also like they it was like for them, that tournament was similar to like color war for us, right? So they yeah. would yes. actually spend all the bunks would spend time drawing like professional looking boards oh, wow. and I mean, it was really, really taken very seriously there. So it was pretty cool to escape that place. It was a pretty hostile environment. <laughs> well, you did it. You're the one Neshoper on there then. So I think Neshoper was yeah. on there just that I one time. We're, yeah, we're That's definitely it. the only one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have to be. You got to get down the resume. It's a big deal. I was about <laughs> to say, I'm going to update my CV tomorrow. Yeah. I'll <laughs> apply to a new job. See if they'll give me a new job based <laughs> on my camp Neshoper Stanley Cup. There you go. Well, <laughs> let's, let's transition into the job question then. How would you say camp prepared you or helped you with skills and and all of that stuff in what you do today? I think for me, a lot of it has, well, I think camp taught me how to deal with different types of people to, Mm -hmm. to put it nicely. And there's nothing wrong with different types of people, but I think camp teaches you how, because you're living in a bunk with these people for maybe four weeks, maybe eight weeks, you know, maybe they leave early, maybe they come late. Uh, but you're forced to live with people maybe you like, maybe you don't like for an extended period of time. And I think that teaches you to give people like an opportunity or a second chance. Like give them some time to see if you actually like them for just judging them. Yeah. And then sometimes, I mean, there's been multiple summers. I'm not going to name anyone specific, but I, I we didn't get along in the beginning of the summer. Mm-hmm. And then like towards the end of the summer, we were like best friends. And it's, it's crazy how that happens. And it's just kind of, you know, give people a chance to show you who they are before just like oh no not a good person or oh bad person camp forces you to deal with every type of person yeah and it kind of teaches you how to like cope with adversity yeah for me it was more of a it made you more of a worldly person right we met people from you know for me growing up in the bronx or growing up in westchester county and and you know it's a very homogenous atmosphere right you don't meet people that are different in in most ways Mm -hmm. um 
and Dakota camp and, and meet people from pretty much all over the world yeah. is, is special. You learn to appreciate people for their differences. You learn to really understand people a little bit better and to, to be able to talk to everybody. You know, you have to, that's just, that's the way camp is. Um, yeah. You don't really even have a choice. You're stuck with those people. And so you either get along or you get along. You really, at some point are going to have to. So for me, like that was, that's always been to me the, the most important thing about camp and the things that it teaches you. It's like, it teaches you just to be a better person. Mm -hmm. and more accepting right like yeah. everybody's a little different and it's just a matter of figuring out a common bond there always is one so agreed and it can be it can be the most minute you know in the weeds type thing but i i made so many friends from camp while i was there for those seven years that i originally didn't think i'd be friends with that i became friends with them over like something so tiny like maybe one day we go to the same elective and then like all of a sudden we become friends yeah yeah I'm like, how did that happen? Like, I didn't like this person a couple of days ago. And then you just friends the rest of the summer. It's crazy what camp will do to you. That's why I think it's like a fake world. <laughs> a like, fantasy world. Take me back now and I'll go. Yeah. I was going to say the, the old the old mantra, was, at least from what I was, was always told about it, was that a week in camp, uh, a day in camp felt like a week. A week in camp felt like a month. And a month in camp felt like a year. And a summer was just like, you know, it was multiple years worth of friendships and, and understanding of people mm -hmm. in, in that short amount of time. Because like, you're with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, you know, in your normal life, you, you don't even see your family that much. You're just, you know, you're, you're seeing that. people nonstop. And these, that's why the bonds, you know, why it's why the old saying is, you know, live 10 for two, because people do, they, they almost want, would prefer to have their whole life be camp because the relationships are so much deeper. They're so much more complete. Mm -hmm. I would love for camp to be my whole life. Wouldn't that be nice? I don't know where I'd live though. <laughs> <laughs> B13. Let's get yeah, back up there go. and B13 where it all began. I don't know who would pay camp expenses. <laughs> That's the sticking point. I'd be living at camp. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me then, is there ever, you know, when you're listening to music, ever a song or two or three even that come on and it just transports you right back? I think just right off the dome, uh, Wonderwall always does for some reason. And I'm sure once Oppie names, like probably the first two, I'll say, I agree with those first two also, because I remember vague words from a lot of the cheer songs, yeah. whether Color War or College Weekend, but I don't remember the entire song. Yeah. But they, there's verses that just, you know, the counselors that wrote it, that stayed up all night, like literally maybe two hours forks, maybe they went to the bar, who knows, but they ended up all right. <laughs> um, the songs were like gold, like could have yeah. sold millions of albums. I got a, I got a few since I'm pulling out. Yeah, yeah we see your lists there, yeah. <laughs> no, these these are actually the the original lyrics. Okay. For a lot of for a lot yeah. of the songs. Here we go. So for those that can't see, uh, uh, Oppie is showing the Camp Nashopa Almanac for, the, <laughs> for 2000 to 2007. I was the story, I guess. Um, yeah. All right, so here's a couple for you. There's "Here's to the Nights" by Eve Six, "Better Days" by the Goo Goo Dolls, yeah, "The Boys of Summer" by the Ataris, of course, and the the one that always has stuck with me other than Wonderwall and, and all of those um, was Bad Day by Daniel Powder. So we had a, oh, yeah. which was awesome. I have, I should have sent you one of these. I have two copies of it, actually. I do remember um, that. That's the, these are the lyrics right here. So that oh, yeah. was written by Sam Ellis, Drew Alexander, and Maggie Tiller. And that is, I have the, I have two copies of that, those lyrics. So what um, year was that? Probably oh seven, oh eight, something like that. It was later on. It had I to remember. I remember that though. And I, I stopped in 07. 07, I remember. And it might have been earlier, but they were we were campers in 05 ish, so I was I gonna say 05 to 07. 07. 
it might have been 05 because it was that was our camper general summer so it could have been that that sounds about right yeah because why else why else would we be writing it i don't know i even have a notebook back from then with this is an entrance and uh this is all older but Aerosmith, Don't Want to Miss a Thing was a yeah. song we used. Looking at my old handwriting. And then uh, Electric Worry by Clutch. That was another one. So that was, I don't know. I have all these things written down. It's it's scary to look at some of this stuff and even re- remember that you have it. I had to, I came back to my parents' house to find all this stuff because it's just been sitting in the closet somewhere for a whole bunch of years. But it brings up a lot of memories, that's for sure. That's incredible. So I know you've kind of answered this already, Zippy, but like if it worked out, families were taken care of or could be a part of it and you magically had a summer and a bunch of us could go back and do it again, would you do it again? I would 100% do it. Um, It's not actually a question I have to think about. I would do it tomorrow if I knew that all my responsibilities at home were taken care of for the amount of time I would spend at camp. I would go yeah. 100%. I guess in a fake world, I wouldn't know about my you know, real world <laughs> at home while I was at camp. But uh, if I did, I would say I would miss my kid while I was at camp. But if, if I could like, you know, go in this imaginary world where she was taken care of, I would do it 100%. I can't imagine anybody ever saying no to, <laughs> to this question. Agreed. I mean, yeah. Elad Ornstein said five days. I'll do five days. <laughs> five days is uh, the flight. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> You'd miss. He'd miss the cookout. He'd miss the yeah. ice cream cookout. What's he thinking? Come on. <laughs> it, it, there's no way I wouldn't go back in a heartbeat. I mean, if I was a teacher, my wife's a teacher, and if she, if I was also a teacher, I would go to camp in the summers yeah. now. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's just those people that are lucky enough to have the summers off or whatever. They really have a a, a huge benefit if they won't ever go back. But uh, you know, unfortunately, life is what it is. But uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to the reunion next year. It's gonna be gonna be awesome to see a lot of faces that we haven't physically seen in, in yeah. person in quite a while so yeah memorial day weekend 2022 y'all i think i'm gonna However, be there I would, I, would, I would only say about that that the counselors definitely didn't have like the summer off there were some times when we gave our counselors some serious business yeah uh, and they were probably stressed at times like these little pieces of crap like oh my <laughs> god i'm dealing with this and it's supposed to be my summer visiting america like what the hell but i would say overall yeah it's definitely a, a a fantasy world that's part of it though that's part of the experience you know you that's that's where the growth comes in is those tough days and you guys didn't give people as many tough days as you think you did like it was all fun it was all awesome you're all you're both remembered very fondly so it couldn't have been couldn't have been that tough right i I think we made up for our bad moments with like really really good moments because we definitely had some bad bad moments uh and maybe people just don't know about it but oppie and i you know we weren't perfect citizens definitely not boys it's a different camp it's a different camp yeah yeah that was the late night camp neshopa after dark right what would you take what would you take with you if you went back this time to make it easier or more comfortable or just more fun this is one that i've been i've been struggling with i've listened to just about every single podcast you've done already and i i've been struggling so much with this to me we were lucky enough when we were there we had so much and i actually love the idea of not having everything like if i went back to camp tomorrow i would probably leave my phone at home like i yeah like for me, I would actually leave things. I wouldn't take extra, you know, clothing and shoes and whatever else. Like that's fine. And that's good enough. Like yeah. I, 
I didn't I didn't need much more. Like that was the point of campus to just connect and, and just be with the people you were there with. And for me, I don't really need anything else. I just uh, just need the people that I think more than anything else, I would just take all like our friends and, and our counselors back then. I would take them to camp if I was nice. going back. Agreed. But if I had to maybe be like, I need to bring something. I think, you know, it's actually really hard because it was just like kind of perfect uh, in a sense. I guess it's more of like, if you could just go back in a time machine to that exact summer with those exact people and like have the same stuff happen over again, like once more, Yeah, like that's what you would hope for. But obviously that would never happen again. Every single person doing, you know, same counselors, same this. Yeah. So I think the second best thing is the reunion, which is why, you know, uh, I intend on making plans as well for that. Nice. Uh, it's been a lot 13, 14, 15 years, like we said. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see our old friends. Like just, I mean, I don't think two days is enough. Yeah. Like I think we actually need a full summer, like eight weeks to like just catch up. Yeah. That would be cool. Well, it's on the Saturday, Sunday of that weekend. So I know that, you know, we can make an extra day the side of that. Doing go back something. into the city, go to Jack Dempsey's or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just passed by there the other day. Uh, I know that was a favorite hangout spot after camp for a lot of the counselors. So that's where I met there. Jerry. It's, and, yeah, it's still open. It's still operating yeah. and it's still there. It's we'll have to cool. go to like Blueberry Mountain on the night in between or go roller skating or something like that. I know the last chance or tapped out isn't what it was anymore. So that might be different, but you know, well, while in Rome, why not? I guess uh, I'll experience last chance uh, for the first time. If we yeah. go back. That place was awesome. <laughs> that place was awesome. I played the fifth again. Yeah. <laughs> never seen it before in your life. Yeah. Never heard of those bars, but they sound fun. <laughs> oh yeah. So any other story, anyone you want to give a shout out to? before we wrap up shout out to you first of all um for putting this together and, and interviewing everybody and, and making this like a full-time job i mean <laughs> you've done for real though i mean it's it's been amazing to listen to everybody again and, and just to reconnect on some of the stories mutual shared thoughts of everybody because we all have different experiences in camp but it sounds like in the end of the day we all have similar experiences right mm -hmm. they may vary a tiny bit but they're all pretty much the same and we all have the same love for camp. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're I think, welcome. I mean, I don't necessarily want to shout out to anyone or, you know, reconnect with anyone uh, only because I've heard so many people through this, you know, podcast already. I'm um, reconnecting with Oppie. I don't mean to say I don't want to reconnect with anyone, yeah. but I feel like I've already reconnected with everyone that has been on the podcast simply by listening to their podcast. Like just listening to their podcast for 20, 30 minutes brings me back to that moment. I'm like, I reconnected with them. Yeah. That's why I think the podcast is so cool because the, the people listening, you know, maybe some, not all understand the stories or the, you know, little innuendos that we were talking about during it. Yeah. But there's always going to be the few people that do. Yeah. And I think that's what keeps people, they keeps their attention. I always listen and I'm like hanging, like waiting on this cliff to like for this story to end, to be like, oh my God, is that what I'm thinking about? Is, is that that day in camp? Yeah. And then like it happens to be and it's like, wow, like you're right back there, like in the moment, vivid. Nostalgia is cool. Yeah. I'll leave you the quick story uh, we had talked about earlier about Tano's pizza. So turns out that Tano was a criminal and ended up down in Florida and was robbing a bank. He was, was overcharging for, oh, I thought he was overcharging for pizza. 
No, he was unfortunately robbing a bank down in, in Florida and was killed, actually. So that's sort of the way that Tano's ended. But man, that was a good pizza place. We used to, back in the day, we were, they allowed us to order and just walk down to the bottom of the hill and pick up our pizza. But he had a, he had a very unfortunate ending to yeah. that story. So my, I guess my only comment on that is if, if, if I had to understand or begin to even think about why he robbed the bank in Florida, uh, I couldn't because the amount of money he made simply from Camp Neshoba alone, <laughs> not the other residents in Bloomingburg or any of the outskirts there. Why did he need more money to rob a bank? This the must have been it. after 2009. I was going to say the <laughs> camp had to have closed because he made a killing from Camp Neshoba. I yeah. mean, majority yeah. of my canteen money was like pizza, a chicken farm sub. Like, that's crazy. Well, not, yeah. Now you know. Now you know. He wasn't, maybe he just wasn't charging enough. I mean, I put, someone sent me the menu, the Tano's menu. I put it up on the Instagram and yeah. the bargains on there. I mean, this cheap, I think like three fifty or something for cheese fries and gravy. I really? mean, Quickway and Teak and V, you oh, know, yeah. they made the best poutine out there, the best cheese fries and gravy, but Tano had it cheap on there. So take it from Teak, take it from V, the Quickway Quick Diner is the place to, to be. be. Yes. That's right. <laughs> I have a shirt somewhere with that. Of course there. you do. Of course you do. But before we end, there's one more thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, and it just popped into my head. And it's, we were talking about the white vans earlier, taking us back from the Camp Monroe hockey tournament and us winning. And I said, you know, the, the white vans take you everywhere. The yeah. same one. They take it every internet camp game, every activity, unless it was a big bus. Those were the vans. And you had to schedule the van, I remember, like mm -hmm. the drivers. And I remember Artie, you know, <laughs> Artie would take us to water skiing and, you know, tubing and we'd stop at the ice cream place. We'd stop at the pizza place on the way back. And I remember the whole van ride, if you will, to the place where the boat was and back with all the stops in between. All Artie was doing on the rides was sitting in the front right seat, betting on the horses. <laughs> He was reading the newspaper, yeah. looking at the horses and betting on them. And I know, Oppie, you definitely noticed it because you used to have horses and you you know what purses are and horse betting. And all Artie did was bet on the horses. Yeah, he spent a lot of time at Monticello Raceway when he wasn't at camp, I think. That's incredible. Yeah, he, he bet a ton of money. <laughs> I didn't know that. Like, That's awesome. See, I'm learning yeah. things here, too. Yeah, he Artie had a newspaper on every water skiing trip that you would go on. Yeah. in the front seat and it all it would be was the stats on the horses and his 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 old saying when we were when we were you know water skiing whatever was get off the docks hey yo bag yeah <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> agreed i love that piece out so you can uh that's it. i sometimes i edit the words myself as i'm saying them so that's that's cool i think that can stay it <laughs> all, right. all right i just i don't know that stands out to me already that's he was awesome. a character absolutely it was well thanks both of you for coming on this is cool and i'm glad that you guys got to reconnect doing this as well and i look forward then to seeing you both in person in seven Absolutely. eight months that's not really that far away and oppa you and i will do the privilege of taking zippy to the last chance for the first time his entire life a huge thank you to both guests from this episode Eric Oppie Oppenheimer and Kevin Zippy Zipkin. Good to get you both back chatting to each other after over a decade. Glad I could facilitate that. Join me again next time. I'll be talking to another one of my old camp friends and sharing our summer camp stories.